0: It hey, was good was good was good. Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the Role Podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. This is the LA edition of the Road Podcast. We are in LA West Hollywood at the Beat Source offices. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We got DJ Never. Yo, what up? We got DJ D Miles. What's good? What's good? We got Jamie the Great. Yeah. This is a, a special podcast. I don't think we've had this many Koreans on the podcast at one time. I'm like, <laughs> nice. you know, I'm very, I'm very honored to be here. <laughs> I don't even think I know this many Koreans in my life. This Damn. is probably the most Damn. Koreans I know. We have like two kings of K Town here, and I'm not talking about Ben Baller no no couldn't get him <laughs> no we have one of la's biggest hip-hop music scene influencers right he's a battle rap legend hollywood actor writer he's the host of his own podcast fun with dumb podcast we got dumbfounded in the building hey, hey, a
1: very good introductory korean for you to oh meet. yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> want to meet my koreans the gateway <laughs> korean yeah.
0: good gateway korean Yeah, all right yo shout to zoe for hooking this all up and it's, he type and he typecasted Another Korean person, yeah. another, <laughs> yeah. another, another K Town King in the building. Yeah, he's the man behind the Koki truck in L.A. You know, he's brought the first Korean restaurant to the Las Vegas Strip. Yep. Best yeah. friend, and uh, you know, in the Park MGM, he's host of Netflix's Chef Show with John Favreau, celebrity chef. We got Roy Choi in the building. Yes, yes,
2: yes. here. I thought I would her. be doing this alone. But, um, <laughs> this the big bro.
1: Apparently, yeah. This is the big bro. We have to yeah. catch up. You know? <laughs> Wait, so
0: shout out to Zo, yeah. DJ Zo, Zoe, which is like he's your DJ. He originates your DJ. Zo's right? the
1: best. I mean, he's just friend to everyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he really is. is. And friend to the Koreans. Yeah, he's <laughs> the Korean <laughs> DJ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if he, you're in hip hop and asian yeah korean that's what i that's yeah. what i said in my uh wedding speech to, <laughs> to did you hear that yeah. i was like i was gassing him up I was like he became the greatest korean dj of all time cuz he's <laughs> he DJs for all these korean rappers in korea too and shit so
0: i was like he's the biggest korean appropriator of, of all time <laughs> he's made so much money off of korean people he
1: gets the culture though yeah. you know what i'm saying i can't even hate on him like he understands the culture the nuances of the culture the language that motherfucker really gets it
0: he of executive produced this episode because he did, he's yeah. like yo you know he was talking to jamie and he's like you know get dumbfounded there yeah he's like but get him together no uh, yeah
3: he i was like you think roy would do it he's like roy would definitely do it yeah and then he's like yo if you add
1: dumbfounded to the episode i was like i don't know how to pull that one off. he's like i got you I, i'll be real this this we would definitely do it you know if there was more of a connection but Zo was the you know the factor cuz yes. Zo is like that's our bro you know what i'm saying if Zo port- says this is legit and you should do it I'm going to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. But he might be mean?
2: done with us Koreans. He's off to Vietnam now. I know.
1: There <laughs> might be a whole, <laughs> <laughs> a whole, a whole, he's whole other slew of- is Country
2: hopping? Yeah, Damn, Vietnamese rappers out, the rappers out in the world. He's not That's making right.
0: enough money from Koreans. Korean. Yeah, he, 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 <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> he has to go to other countries.
3: He has to go ginger fire somewhere
2: else. Oh, I remember the early days when you used to do the What Nationality
1: is Zo. Oh, yeah. Those were fun. Yeah, I always did that on stage. Made a whole game out of like, can someone guess Zo? Because I couldn't figure it out in the early days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's he's a mixture that just- forms a uh, ethnically ambiguous race <laughs> Just, you,
0: know? you guys so you did you guys know each other from the jump in k-town or was Zoe the connecting binder did you know zo like oh, a- you mean
2: dumb and i yeah uh, no we're different generations so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm one generation above him mm-hmm. but um i'm a you know i'm more of a fan i was a fan like kogi didn't happen to me until later in life mm-hmm. so i didn't I didn't live in the public spotlight until, like, my mid-30s, you know. And so, in that case, you know, being anonymous and living that long anonymously, I was always a fan, so especially for Asian up-and-coming artists. And, you know, it was just my own thing that I went down rabbit holes on. And, you know, Dumb and Rec and Decipher, those were, like, the first people I started to find. I found Dumb
1: first, obviously, because he was coming out. And then Kogi exploded, and then we were at some, like, uh, Asian function that you know celebrates like the asian cats like killing it like a Gallo award ceremony he was there i think that was the first time we physically met. yeah there. and i was like yo what's up man and all the you know kogi all that because kogi was like this was like the beginning when the twitter explosion of kogi like the truck is here and there's a line around the block you know what i mean that's when the twitter was twitter was being utilized for like food you know what i'm saying so that's when we met, you know, and then since then we've been friends. That's probably like over ten years. Like, yeah. I,
2: I set the stage. I was the primer for Dums, the height of his era on Sixth Street, because I kind of started the Sixth Street era in my generation. Yeah, yeah. A Bohemian Cafe and like just partying on that street, and then they and then took I've it to the next to level. Party there. <laughs> yeah, took it to the next level, and that was just crazy. Yeah,
0: you know the the, the K Town scene is so foreign to me here in L A. Yeah, where are you from? I'm from New York. Oh. So like uh, Never and I are from New York. Mm-hmm. He's from the Bronx. I'm from Manhattan. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you know obviously Jamie and D they're from you know you're from Inglewood. I'm from Inglewood. Oh, okay. Know? And uh I'm but from Lake. yeah my Mike like my I I don't really have a Korean like he upbringing. Ha- he legit has five Korean friends. That he so needs. so
1: you didn't grow up with Koreans?
0: No, I grew up in like a Puerto Rican black <laughs> okay. neighborhood.
3: Okay. Yeah. So
0: and then like K Town in Manhattan is like a block yeah yeah and in yeah. k Town here is like- it's a whole fucking neighborhood like yeah. I, I was walking my hotels around k Town and I was walking around, and there's so many businesses mm-hmm, like right. i felt i was just like I was just like I was dumbfounded I was like, yo <laughs> there was so many businesses, and I was just like and I'm reading you know we're researching on you guys, and it's like everyone that I know who's like my mom and everyone worked for somebody, but it mm-hmm. seems like all of your parents own businesses. And it was like, I, and when I look, I'm like, yo, this is like generations of Korean businesses. Like, because yeah. motherfuckers couldn't speak English and they they had to like open a business. Like, I'm, well, I'm wondering what was It's like It's
1: like, like Flushing, you know, Flushing has a Korean, like if you were in New York and you grew up around Flushing, then you'd probably grow up more Korean than like if you grew up yeah, in the yeah. city or something. Mm-hmm. But like, even for, you know, I, I know, I don't know if for Roy complete, but I kind of know from his background that like... For me, like, I'm definitely more L.A., and then, like, as I started doing more shit, I became more, like, a Korean figure and more immersed into the community. You know what I'm saying? But I grew up like you. Like, I was growing up with black kids, Latino kids, like, and then I started getting known in the battle rap world, and then all of a sudden, like, Asian Cats was, like, rocking with me, and they were like, oh, this is the Korean dude, you know what I'm saying? And that's when I started actually going, like, double down on on, like, being really proud of my culture and representing, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah,
2: and K Town is very unique because it's done, done, just touched on it's not really Korean, you know. A lot of Korean cats that come from Korea and come to K Town, they're like, it's foreign to them because it's a very uniquely LA thing. It's more Latino than it is yeah. like Korean. It's like its own, it's like in, on the Hawaiian Islands, like pigeon language, you know, it's like its own pigeon culture of this mashup between things. Like, I, for me, I was uniquely. I saw the whole thing from the very beginning because my parents were like one of the first immigrant families and, you know, we settled down in K-Town on Vermont and Olympic and that was when there was no K-Town. There was only one market Mm. and and maybe one or two restaurants and then it started to grow from there. But the reason why the merchant thing happened is because of racism. You know, a lot of people couldn't get jobs at that time. You know, we were, no one knew what Korea was, first of all, and then- it was, like, in between China and Korea, but no one knew what it was. But also, the parent, you know, the the generation that came, they didn't speak English that well. And then people didn't really know how to hire an Asian person at that time. So we would get, like, just like a lot of um, first-generation Latino immigrants go through right now. You know, you get custodial jobs. You work in the kitchen, dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't get any office jobs or corporate jobs. Yeah. So there's this thing in Korean culture called kee-meeting. I don't know if you know about yeah, that. No, it, no. It's... Um, <clears throat> it's like an underground economy you know because we couldn't get loans we couldn't get jobs we couldn't get careers anything like that so you know everyone just banded together and what that is is every month you um you it's like kind of a club it's like a book club it's like
0: Korean illuminati
2: illuminati yeah, but it's like sharing money it's like a, community bank. It's like it's a community, community bank bank oh, okay say.
1: they meet up and like every, you know Put in a little bit, mm-hmm. and then like whoever needs that money for that month, like mm-hmm. gets that pot, and then like you continue. Oh that. shit! Really? Oh, really? Yeah. There's yeah. a thing like that in Mexican culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. feel like a lot of communities probably have their own yeah. version of this. Yeah, like la tanda. So
3: it's basically tanda. like it was. Everybody gets a number here, and then we all give a hundred mm-hmm. bucks, and then D gets it the first week, and then you get it the first week. It's then like so, a weekly lottery. Yeah, yeah. It's this was more like this monthly. Yeah, real shit. My, my yeah, real shit. shit. And, shit too.
2: and that's why you have so many merchants because. Wow. You know, uh, one person would get that pot and then they would it would be still community based and they would decide the community would decide what's the best thing.
0: I was going to say like for, do, they, do they like do they agree on what the, like the the winner's going to open?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it started with restaurants, markets right. and yeah. I think after the basic essentials it was trophy shops for all the golfing.
4: <laughs> yeah. I think trophy
2: shops are like the original right, k Town right, right.
1: shop. That's so funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because your 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 parents owned a ton of businesses. It yeah, liquor like, stores, liquor yeah. store, dry cleaning. Grew up, yeah, all that. Uh, in the jewelry store and everything. Mm-hmm. You had a pretty rough. They Teenage.
5: were selling
1: door to door Amway everything. Yeah. And my 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 mom did Amway yeah. too. You, <laughs> These are like classic Korean. What exactly I'm sorry.
5: What exactly was Amway?
1: Uh, it's like it's like um, yeah, this, this generation. How to yeah. explain that? My mom used to Avon. It's, it's makeup. makeup. It's like Avon. Yeah, it's oh, okay, it's okay, okay, the pyramid okay, scheme. Okay, okay. It's yeah. like a anything
5: pyramid scheme yes. sales. Like Mary, K, like yeah, Mary Kay, like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Neutral like, Life. Yes. All that. all that. That shit, yeah. Wait,
0: that was like a Korean thing and shit?
1: No, it's just, like, just doing any hustle that's, Whatever like, you, can. you know what I mean? And and them just kind of falling falling for stuff, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of it's that. You know what I mean? Motherfucker's like, oh, this is a way to do it. And they just fall, fall for it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like,
0: <laughs> So, wait. I have a question. You mm-hmm. had a pretty rough childhood, like a teenage childhood, right? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, not even just teenage. Probably
2: from a very early age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my parents, like, again, they were hustling. Um going door to door, trying to open things, going bankrupt, moving a lot. Um, uh, So they left me alone at a very young age um, from about like four years old, three or four. You know, right. I think back right now, That That's just kind of crazy. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Like, I was the same They just, the the peaced, same way, they just yeah. peaced out. They like six a.m. My am would make like ten Ji or something, and then and I didn't see them till right. like ten p.m.
6: Yeah, that's crazy. Five years old. If they do that <laughs> now, they'll be in jail. They yeah. be in jail. <laughs> yeah, for it,
2: real. Yeah, and then so I would walk around the city a lot. I'd see a lot of shit before. alone. Yeah, it was like the Bronx Tale. You know, it was like I'd see stuff before I was supposed to see stuff. Yeah, shit. Um, just because you know, no one pays attention to a kid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So back then in the 70s, like a little kid walking around, getting on the bus, walking through alleys, going down and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) seeing stuff that you're not, you know, that's going on in alleys that you don't, you're not really. But again, like. No one pays attention to a five-year-old kid. They just go on with whatever.
1: <laughs> Is that a baby in the corner? <laughs> yeah. It's like that baby, that a boss. Baby, a baby selling weed on the corner? Hey,
4: hey court. baby. Hey, baby. <laughs> hey, baby, go home. So, so, try to sell weed. Sell yeah. weed. <laughs>
2: so I grew up around all of that stuff. And then my parents struck it rich when I became a teenager. So I grew up here in L.A. until I was 13. And then, and then they struck it rich with jewelry because um, Koreans struck it rich. And my mom had this crazy hustle.
1: That business wow. was like it just boomed or what.
2: And she she um being Korean she took, you know, Koreans are the best bootleggers in the world, you know. So she what she did was she took the bootleg mentality. She studied Tiffany and like Van Cleef and Cartier. Mm. And she took those designs, bootlegged them, found a diamond dealer and then basically um just did like 5% markup. Oh wow. Cuz jewelry is like 60% markup. So she would like she would convince all the ladies and then she would hustle them and go to whatever and then she would say like i can get you that same diamond ring for mm-hmm. like you know whatever less and then yeah and they blew up overnight and they moved me to the suburbs and then once we moved to the suburbs in orange county it was really difficult for me the culture change so i got really kind of into some some hairy shit after that. yeah because
0: we were like researching you like smoke crack and shit.
2: Yeah, that was in New York, actually. Oh really?
0: shit! <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I was like, of course, I know, damn, in New York. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> a lot, New York. Yeah. There,
2: there,
4: there's it
2: was a very it was a po it was a very poetic crack journey. Um, Wait, what? I this was I was. This heart- is in the eighties, right? No, this was nineties uh, New York Times Square. Um, I was heartbroken, so I was in love, and oh. I followed a girl out
1: wow. to oh, the man. East
2: Coast, yeah. and. When I got there, she wasn't really feeling me anymore. And I was really heartbroken. So I went to New York and kind of, I stayed at the YMCA in Times Square. This is before Giuliani hit. Oh, so it yeah, was like, yeah. it was like porn shops, peep, this is peep shows. Right, right. right.
0: Um, I mean, that was filthy, man.
2: It was filthy uh, over there, Ninth Avenue, I think it was. Yeah. Dude, yeah, there, yeah. That was the crack
6: central oh, right yeah. there. Crazy. It's still yeah. bad out there, but not as bad as it was. Yeah. Can,
1: in, in can you 90s. call your next book Poetic Crack Journey? <laughs> poetic Crack Journey, there I'd <laughs> be fire. I, that's that was, a New York, that's a New York Times bestseller for yeah. That was
6: David and David Dinkins. Um, yeah. Era. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. And so
2: it was, it wasn't a crazy long time, but it was like a, two-week bender where it was just like
0: wait so wait what happened you were wandering through times square i was wandering i was staying
2: at the ymca i mean this is it's crazy reciting all this because it was seven dollars a night at, at oh, uh, yeah at the ymca and um it was just filled with crackheads and i was just in a really vulnerable state and uh, i met this dude and he just kind of walked me down Ninth Avenue. do you remember his name I don't remember his name, but. It,
4: <laughs> yeah, Chico Yeah, Chico Chico was his name. Um, so he's
0: like, yo, you want to hit this?
2: Or hit what? this. And he just taught me the whole thing. He taught me about how to walk through New York, don't give up your shoulder. Holy you shit. You know, um, this is where you get. It's like a movie. It's yeah. It's like right? a movie. And we go up to. I'm surprised he didn't try to fuck. I'm surprised.
4: Like,
2: <laughs> I'm surprised. I didn't give a blowjob, or he didn't give me one, because it was like it was
1: that. It was there. It was all there for the taking, and it was pretty dirty. Yeah, I, I've um, smoked some questionable stuff, but yeah. it was not as poetic. Yeah, it <laughs> was as poetic as that. But, but it was yeah. all
0: because of a girl. Which is kind of beautiful, but sad, but it was yeah. cracked. It was like a beautiful journey.
2: It was a beautiful. But Wait, then the crack. And It's then, always because of a girl, man. Yeah, yeah, it's always. Yeah. And that first That's, hit, man. It was. Yeah,
0: I was going to ask you, how mm. good is crack? How good?
2: I mean, I wasn't <laughs> a stranger to I drugs. Mean, yeah. I wasn't a stranger to drugs. Yeah. I wasn't a stranger to drugs, but they're, I, you know, but it crack. was weird because I was always on the other side of it. You know, yeah. like, I mean, you as a rapper and us in hip hop, it's like, you know, we make fun of crackheads, you know, like yeah. it's part of the mm-hmm. culture, right? But. I never thought I would be one, but I found out in that moment just how, you know, how slippery that slope is. You could go from, because I know a lot of old OGs that were, you know, leaders, and then, you know, that slope is so slippery, you know, especially Especially down in Watson Compton and stuff where I used to hang out. Like, you got guys that were just like, you know, the leaders of crews, you know, and, and, and just all yoked out and real tough dudes, and then, you know, and then you know th- just, that, just one hit, that, taste, that one hit right? that one taste that one hit and then you know they're 119 pounds you know yeah. right crazy. right mm-hmm.
0: but you were aware of all of these things of crack is the worst shit ever and here you are and you're gonna try it. you you would that's how low you were
2: that's how low i was yeah depressed
5: how vulnerable you how
2: vulnerable i was and then that hit was just like what was it what would you feel i mean it's crazy you know it's um it's a podcast, so let me try to visually <laughs> yeah, I describe know. it. You know, uh, I mean, it was you know, glass pipe, all that. all Everything you saw in New Jack City, and, you know, just the, the and, pop of the first flame. You know, I'm and,
0: picturing you in, like, in a stairway, you know?
2: Uh, oh, yeah, it was stairway, but this one was in the actual room. So the okay. room was, like, half the size of the room we're in now. It's grimy as fuck. Wow. Grimy as fuck, one bed, yeah. you know, window opens, and you're looking at another brick wall, that type of situation. Yeah.
0: Damn, and then you yeah. got that first hit... And then you just yeah. fell in like to, into this crack hole where you. just- I
2: fell into two weeks of yeah, just crack hole Ninth Avenue. Yeah how, yeah. how did
0: you get out of it? The-
2: uh I don't. It was weird. Um, Wait, <laughs> I I, uh, I saw myself in the mirror. Like I got a glimpse of myself in the mirror. Oh shit. Um, mm-hmm. by accident, and um, I don't know. I just came to. I think a part of it also is just. You know, I have a very strong root as far as the family goes. It was a tough upbringing, but as. Asians, you know, you know, I'm not going to, you know, say that we have perfect family relationships. Mm-hmm. We don't. Mm-hmm. Very dysfunctional. But there is a root that a lot of my other homies don't have. You know, either they don't have parents or their mother's trying to fuck their friends or, you know, whatever. If things things are upside down. Father's not around. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of parental guidance. In Asian culture, there's always like a strong root. Mm-hmm. And I think in that moment, I saw myself. I saw my parents. I saw mm-hmm. my wow. grandparents. I saw... Mm-hmm. I saw the you know the you know family the family. legacy of our family. All I, that I, stuff. I I do agree
1: with you on yeah. on that aspect of it because I I you know I came mm-hmm. from a pretty rough like my dad was alcoholic, abusive yep. you know to my mom. Split up early, but there was always kind of like this Asian like strict dis- disciplinary mm-hmm. legacy thing that's always kind of stuck with me. That's checked me in my lowest points well, it, of life it, for it, some reason. It, like,
0: no, <laughs> ma- no matter what, right? We were always aware of the work ethic. So no mm-hmm. matter how dysfunctional yeah. everyone was, everyone worked their ass off. I think you know, a lot of the dysfunction
1: right? for, you know, a lot of us it comes from that, right? Like, we see our parents sacrificing every day, going to work. That's why they can't be there, like, mm-hmm. strict on us, you know yeah. what I'm saying? My dad was an alcoholic, but that motherfucker would get drunk till, like, four go to work at six, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I was like, God damn, how <laughs> do you, you do this? Like, and, and, you know, he would be very violent with my mom, me, but... He did still put a roof over our heads, fed us, you know what I'm saying? So I did, and I'm not saying it's ex- excusable what he did, but there was, th- these things you don't understand as, until you get older as a man, you right, know what I mean? Right, as right. I've grown up as a man and things, and I realized there's demons that he's gone through that I'm going mm-hmm. through as well, you know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, and things like that, and I'm like, oh shit, like I never thought I'd drink as much as my dad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like I drink as much as my dad at times, you know? Did, so, did you did
0: you was your first introduction to drinking with your dad?
1: Uh yeah. I mean I drank early with my dad. I didn't necessarily like it though. Like I remember him like giving it to me as a kid and I was like, ugh, this shit's gross, you know right, what I'm right, saying? Right. And yeah. then I start drinking, you know, like I'm a regular drinker now. I'm s i am I still struggle with it. You know, I'm like I'm in the process of figuring things out with that. And like that part is crazy because you never would think that you do the thing that kind of destroyed your family or, or your mm-hmm. father, mm-hmm. you know? But like like what you said earlier about, um, you know, seeing these dudes mm-hmm. uh, and hearing it from even rappers like saying crack, crack is whack and you know, all this shit and you did crack. Yep. You know, we were growing up around the coolest motherfuckers we looked up to saying like, don't do crack. They gave us commandments and shit, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you know, like it's just, and but it's true though, like, All those guys have struggled, too. There's like OG rappers that struggled with drugs, you know? And they've probably talked about that in their music.
5: There's a level of comfort in that dysfunction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like DMX went through it. Exactly. so many guys that I mean, DMX is
1: a, yeah,
2: not a great example, but an example of someone, you know, struggled with demons, struggled with demons, you know, and drugs, but, you know, was the strongest human being that you could think of, you know?
0: You're in New York. You hop out of this... This crack. Binge. Yeah,
2: you're asking me what saved me. Like going back to what Dumb said, like I didn't grow up around that many Koreans either. You yeah, know? yeah, So like yeah. my life is, I don't discriminate. You know, I I grew up around it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand. You know, like my other homies, where they may not have had a parental structure and why they may have slipped even further down certain certain holes. Right. You know, But, you know, it's not one's not better than the other. But for me, what saved me just individually was I saw myself in the mirror and I did have that root. If I didn't have that root as as a family, um, I can't guarantee you that I would have ever came out of it, you know, because I have friends that haven't come out of it, you know. So, um, but that's what saved me personally, was I got that glimpse, I saw my... Ancestors looking down at me, shaking their head, (laughs) and the crack smoke. (laughs) And the crack smoke. What are you doing? What are you doing? Put (laughs) that pipe down. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And uh, I couldn't escape it, so I just got my shit together. You know,
0: you came back to L.A.
2: Yeah, you know, Asian culture doesn't have room for excuses. Sometimes, you know, like I remember sometimes early on we would like you know bring filming into um, a Korean market or something and I'm sure you've experienced this trying to film videos or whatever and like Koreans come out and say like what are you doing there's no time for art there's you know (laughs) you got to work hard you know (laughs) and so uh, um, yeah there's no room for excuse so I just kind of got up off my ass and just you know. Boned, boned
1: out of there.
0: Were y'all good students? Because you dropped out, right? I
1: did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I dropped out of high school when I was in tenth grade.
0: What was that about? Tenth grade? That's yeah, pretty yeah. early. I, yo. it's,
1: you know, it's it's so funny. Every time I share this, yo, thing, like, it's like like unheard you're 15, of. Right? <laughs> Brother, yeah.
0: We went to the we went to the same high you school. You went to
3: Marshall, huh? Yeah, yeah. I
1: heard you were from Silver Lake, so I assume you went to Marshall. Yeah, I went yeah, to yeah, Marshall. Yeah.
3: Not a bad school to go to, I yeah, who,
1: yeah. but you finished. oh yeah, I finished. Okay. But I went from Belmont to Marshall. Oh, so he went from. Yeah, yeah. So I went. I Belmont was a pretty bad school, that was and really Marshall bad. was better. But Marshall had a pretty big like drug problem too. Man, the kids mm-hmm. in like my when I was going to Marshall, like there was a big meth problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you oh, saying that wow.
3: with the meth? There was
1: a lot of did meth. You, le- did you do any meth? I have done meth before. Yes, oh, I shit. have. But when I was in this high school, like first during that time, there was a big explosion of meth in this school in particular like yeah. it just I don't know it spread inside the school every one of my homies was doing it they changed up on me yeah. motherfuckers was stealing TVs from houses that like, was their mascot Marshall was, Meth yeah it was, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: <laughs> it was Marshall Meth <laughs> let's go pets. let's <laughs> go <laughs> no no but
1: it was it was really crazy um, at time and I, I, I wasn't like it was meth wasn't the reason like dropped out I was I was you know just I was doing all types of smoking weed eating, doing drugs but I was just not going to school mainly, you know what I mean. I would ditch every fucking day, mm. uh, and by the I, when I ch- um I just dropped out, and I remember like it was straight. I had straight fails. I was like, damn, I'm gonna if I stayed, I probably would have had to do another year. And you know the funny thing, my parents didn't even know until two years after I dropped out that I dropped out of high school.
3: They're like, when's your graduation?" <laughs> That's why they spent yeah, the year.
6: when's the graduation?
1: Yeah, I'd literally uh, get up in the <laughs> get ready in the morning. They're going to get, getting ready for work. They go to work. I'm like, "See ya." <laughs> I'd go walk down the block, come right back to the crib after they were gone and chill in the crib. And I remember one day my dad came earlier like i just heard keys jingling i was like what the fuck and because i was just sitting on the couch watching tv I turned the shit off i ran into his closet and i just stayed there like for like five hours figuring out when he's like walked away so i could like to mm-hmm. like exit back out the door and pretend <laughs> oh i'm coming from school and shit it was fucking wild times. Yeah, yeah
3: uh marshall did have a big fucking meth problem because i used to hang out with the meth dealers and shit and then they're like yo how much is meth I was cheap a lot. It was wow. very. Who are you cheap. chilling with them? You're like, I respect your work Kevin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I wasn't into drugs like that. So they, they were like, yo, come chill. And the thing was, um, it was a couple girls trying to lose weight in my class, and they're like, do you know anybody that sells meth? I'm like, yo, so and so sells it. The homies. Yeah. yeah, and then she's like, can you hook me up? I was like, yeah, sure. And I brought her over and shit. And he's like, "Yo, here's your cut." And that was the like, quick weight fix. Yeah, I was like, "Oh shit, I got 20 bucks. Just introduce uh, yourself. It, it was a real
1: thing. I I specifically remember that in particular. There like, was this
3: far left corner by like this tree, like just this dark place of the school, and that's where they were hanging.
1: It was a problem over there. Um, I mean, but it was cool. Like, it, it, I think. And then like, your first rap shows were at Ivy League colleges. Right? <laughs> yeah, <it was>. <laughs> <laughs> it was. They'll never know. They'll no, never right. know. But like, it's like Kim, you know, like I, the way we both grew up, and a lot of us were we were like these latchkey kids. Is where parents are constantly working like yeah it, you can either go completely a fucked up direction mm-hmm. of like you know uh well i guess you did and then you start yeah. away i mean i did too I, I was in a bad place but luckily like we found stuff that we're passionate about whether it was music or cooking or you know what i mean yeah, food yeah. all that so i think that's the thing that's scary it's like it allows the freedom for the individual you know what i mean to explore like find out what your passion is but you may never find that too, because you get so deep into a hole. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like we're definitely some of the lucky ones that we're able yeah. to do. My sister, my sister's two years younger than me. She was even crazier than me, bro. I was a fucked up kid. My sister dropped out of high school too, and now she's just she has like a, a beautiful nephew. You know what I mean? Like tattooed up, like you know, she does social work with troubled kids. Like I, I'm so like proud of her knowing who she was back then seeing her now you know what i'm saying like she's so drugs and everything bro yeah
0: you probably you guys are like wild like i've never met wild ass Koreans. (laughs) oh there's
1: well they're wild on the inside
2: because like i mean shout out to all the kids that are going through a lot because it's hard to be a creative person being asian yeah because it's not cultivated so i know it's not talked about a lot or it's not that sexy in in popular media but you know a lot of kids go through a lot of internal struggle and demons because of that you know and it's tough because, um, you know, again, you know, all my non-Asian friends, like if you wanted to sing like the, you know, the family or the parents or the neighborhood like, yeah, go sing, go to American right. yeah, Idol yeah. or whatever, you know, <laughs> um, but not in Asian culture. You I know?
3: think it has to do with some, uh, the Mexican culture is a lot like that, but I think it's because, and I don't know if I'm, I'm wrong, but um, because you have immigrant parents and you are your parents 401k and retirement plan. Mm-hmm. You're their dream. So, yeah, you're, yeah. So you, all that pressure is on you to Not fuck up to do this, so there's no time to express an art direction or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, was there sport, was also
0: sport. like a formula in the 80s and 90s. It was like, you know, you go to school, you go to college, and then you get a good, like, Career. corporate job and mm-hmm. whatnot. And everyone needed to follow that. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things, with especially with like my, like, I had a single mother, so like, she, she would work two jobs, I'd be at home like mm-hmm. all day alone. She just had me, like, you know, basically. Like, rewrite the dictionary or like encyclopedias. I was like just home there and watching TV for yeah, like that eight hours. Boring as fuck. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but I did that like all through the summers and shit. And then, like, I just wanted to like work and get jobs. And, uh, but yeah, like, I was just, they just. I mean, they would rather you be
2: asshole. a low level accountant or right. personal injury lawyer than a the best DJ in the world, you know? And it. It, you know, things are changing
1: now, obviously, oh, no. but but in the 90s. And you know what it is? It's kind of like, I think what you were explaining about how you kind of dug yourself out of that hole mm-hmm. is this feeling of, like, guilt a little bit for me that, like... I remember when I was pursuing things that I loved I felt guilty that I was doing it because of my parents like they didn't get a chance to do that shit and they still don't you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. they you can't even talk to them about just like why don't you just go vacation or why don't you do something that you always wanted to do they Mm -hmm. can't even think of it because they've been programmed like their whole life to just focus on just making money to provide right like Mm -hmm. I can't even like my mom used to draw when she was a teenager apparently and shit I can't I'm like why don't you take some painting classes she can't even fathom that shit no more bro so it's like I felt guilty pursuing the shit that I do traveling, touring around the world when, like, my parents was, like, working and shit. And I couldn't provide for them at the time, for sure. Like, I felt hella guilty. Like, every time I spent money on some shit, I had to, I had to like, buy some shit from my mom. You know what I mean? I still feel like that. If I go travel somewhere, I'm like, uh, uh, here's a rack. Mm-hmm. You know like, <laughs> Like, I don't know. It's just, like, a thing that I think that's the part that, you know, uh, that sticks with me a little bit. I mean this would be the most ununderstandable thing
2: <coughs> for any Asian person is a podcast.
4: Right. <laughs> <laughs> you ever sit down and talk with they, your friends yeah, and premiers? Yeah, yeah, this is your
0: job? This is what you do? Yeah, I remember like I'm when I started collecting records and trying to DJ, yeah, you know, like I would come home and my and my records would be gone mm-hmm. and I look in the dumpster and my mom tried to throw all my shit out. That's wild. Bro. So like I'm like trying to get my equipment and everything from the mm-hmm. dumpster and yeah. you know, she's just like, yo, you just need to Go to school and like I, I remember I was really good at art mm-hmm. and like I was going to high school I was I was in high school and then you know towards junior senior year you're trying to figure out what college is and she's like business school business school and like all the teachers and the and the principal and everyone. Like literally had an intervention for her, yeah, and they were like, "Your son needs to go to art school," mm-hmm. and then she was like, "Okay, he can go to art school <laughs> and shit," but otherwise, it was just like I. She had this plan. I, I was so frustrated. I was like, you know what? I'll just go to the army. Yeah, and that's when like I think my my college advisor was like, "Yo, we need to get her, his mom in here." Cause he's about to join the army. <laughs> Cause he don't want to go to business school. That's tight And he though. can't he can't go to art school. So she's like, he's just gonna go to the army. That's so tight
1: like, though. You yeah, had the teachers, and then she actually listened. Yeah, to Yeah, they rallied. They rallied they because like, <laughs> every time I see like a movie where like the teachers rally like an artsy kid, and then they talk to the mom like, your son is real talented, mm-hmm. and then the the, the the mom's always like no son of mine is going to art school yeah, he's yeah, gonna right. work his ass off yeah. and provide for the family so at least she budged you know what i mean so but yeah but it's
0: also like when you think when i think about it it's like it was just, when i went to art school i was like yo like my mom was kind of right like <laughs> dude, you can't really make a living off of this shit. like art school that's i, mean, I went that I, got, I went to the art institute of chicago mm-hmm. and like no one was like learning shit to make a living it yeah. was like they were just studying art philosophy yeah. and they were just drawing shit. And I'm like, yo, but how do I make money? You got to be like, y'all are not teaching me nothing how to make money. So I yeah. left. And the I was f- like, yo, you, you was kind of right about that.
1: Four years in art school and you got new charcoal drawings. Like, with the It was pointless.
0: <laughs> mom, this is a hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you're like, How did you get into rapping?
1: How'd I get into rapping? Yeah, but um, it was actually when I was in Marshall. This was like in uh, freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. A Filipino dude who's actually smoked meth. He was he was a meth head. <laughs> Y'all were like freestyling, smoking meth. I was well, no, and I was I was rapping in high school, and we had like Ar- Marshall actually had a lot of kind of artsy kids. That, yeah, that's the one thing I'll say. They had you know Ellis went there. DJ, uh, you know DJ uh, di- Dynamics.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Dynamics
1: was oh, one Dynamics. of the, one of the yeah. biggest DJs in.
3: Dynamics, Black Eyed Peas, Leonardo DiCaprio, dumbfounded. Yeah,
1: d- yeah. Thank <laughs> you for, yeah. for bringing. Right, <laughs> <after Leo>? right, <laughs> right after Leo. <laughs> God damn! No, uh, I didn't even know Leo went there. Actually, yeah. Okay, Leo but, went there, Alexa Demi from Euphoria. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it was right. like a really like artsy high school because it's near Silver Lake. A lot of these kids are like sons and daughters of directors and mm-hmm. artists and you know all this right, shit. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like I did get a lot of artsy influence from there. And then um, when i was going there there was like this filipino uh dude who was a method he actually took me he was like yo you rap why don't i you should come to this spot project blowed that has some of the illest rappers and then i'm being cocky and shit i'm like of course i'm down and I go. I want to rap and i go to leimert park and this is the first time i even went past pico like south of pico you know what yeah. i mean like i grew up around third street you know and i'm going to 43rd you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so we go I'm like, where the fuck are we going and we go we 43rd in leimert Pull up, there's people everywhere on the streets. Like, I'm talking at least seven ciphers that have like 20 people each all around the park on the streets, you know, everywhere. I'm like kind of excited, but a little nervous. Go there, and I only see like maybe one or two Asian people, and one of them is holding a camera, just filming.
4: <laughs> the other
1: guy was a Filipino rapper who I'm friends with now, Lira Flip. He's uh, shout out Flip. But Shout I, out Lira Flip. I stuck my head into like one of the ciphers, ready to rap, and I just heard like the most incredible freestyles, and I couldn't even get a word out my fucking mouth that first week. Like I just, and I just just observe, like just hopping around ciphers, listening to the most incredible shit four hours pass you know it's like two in the morning i'm walking back to the car with the homies and I'm like, fuck, I should have jumped in. And I couldn't even do it. I just froze because I just knew at that point, like, I had to go back to the drawing. But there were some heavy hitters there at, at that point. Oh, f- insanely heavy hitters. You probably
3: had speak, probably disaster. I mean, No, no Can, can, was can Do was probably no one of my do.
1: biggest influences. But this was like, you know, before we were all kids then. No Can Do was like probably the youngest dude who was like the new prodigy. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was like the era of like AC Alone, Red Lore, otherwise, like some OGs, you know, so.
0: Did you get like a performance anxiety? Like, did you have to drink or like get high? To, yeah, all the time. Get, I, I, get the
1: guts to do this. Shit? I'd always be smoking weed, and that's. Mm-hmm. I feel like weed is like one of those like great freestyling things. Well, like, you were high in it, like most of your battles. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was. I was a God big. Stoner. I was a bit. No, I was a big stoner <laughs> really back killed in the day. The pen. I, I was a huge stoner back in the day. I haven't really smoked like that regularly for like five, six years. I always trip out on that with
2: rappers. How when you guys get high, you guys can. Yeah, you. verbalize that I get quiet when I get high
1: so it's like <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's always like it, it always you like you just feel the beats more know. you know what I'm saying and that's the main thing about it it's like the way alcohol like you lose inhibitions yeah. it is its own version of losing your inhibitions but it, it's it's more soulful I feel like yeah. than, you know than alcohol anyway. no, I love it because I can't do my craft high I can't cook
2: you know on a Saturday night for 600 people high yeah. it, there's too much going on oh I like, can't right. imagine you know it, it's like you know it's like air traffic control so it's like i have to have my i have to have my game face on um and my cognitive skills i'm, you know? I'm sure that's a but, whole other um, thing yeah. but to be able to do it on the highest level like all rappers go in the booth and they smoke like you know an, an ounce yeah but just, we don't have like hot grills and
1: knives around those are things you shouldn't have around you when you're
4: high. Yeah.
0: But it's the same thing with DJs though. I rarely know any DJs that smoke and get high when they DJ because there's just uh, so many. Tec- there's a lot of yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Many technical. Yeah, 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 I can right? see that. Yeah, and You yeah. need like quick reflexes and yeah. shit. But Which it's it like yeah. But, but sh- you do drink when you when you cook or not really?
2: No, I mean in the old days. There, you know, there was the whole pirate days of kitchens. Yeah, you know mm. where they would be drunk. You know and. Swashbuckling, you know. Anthony Bourdain writes about that. Like, right, you know, cocaine's a big one. Cocaine, yeah, yeah. drunk. You know, I mean, yeah. it
0: was like, I mean, to me, chefs are like it was rock star wild shit. They're like rock it's, stars. It's yeah. some real like grungy rock yeah. star punk rock shit. For sure, mm-hmm, to me, yeah. To be a chef.
2: <laughs> um, but nowadays, um, they're not as drunk as much on the line, but afterwards they drink. Right, 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 right. right. right.
0: That's the big yeah. thing, though, because it's
2: hard to come down. I mean, it's probably like that for you guys as DJs, because we have the similar schedules mm-hmm. yeah. you know we go into work at four or five and we don't get off till like two and you can't just go right to sleep after, no. No. after yeah, a week shift wait. right do you, do you, do
0: you get that high too at the, the end of the night oh my
2: god you're just like i mean it's like what i guess what people that get off at 5 p.m feel like they go to bed what 11 p.m so mm-hmm. there are six hours of unwinding right mm-hmm. so you have to think of it in that context if we get off at 2 a.m we need like four or five hours of unwinding so yeah you know but you but know it is sitcoms the, aren't on at 2 a.m <laughs> bars are you know like drinking's on at 2 a.m so.
0: but it's but it's but it's like when a dj when we finish our sets and we had a good set yeah we're kind of like you want an emotional high, high. yeah we're like on a high yeah and we're like yo like we're let's go somewhere let's do something absolutely yeah. and that's, and that's same the same thing with books
2: yeah if you're if we've crushed a saturday night or a friday night right. you know um we're on an emotional high, and all we want to do is like, "Where's the club? Where's the bar? Where's mm. Where's the diner?" New celebrate. York was yeah. celebrate that. I built all my chops in New York. I used to, literally, you know, I'd see the sunrise every morning.
0: You intern at my favorite, one of my top five restaurants of all time, Le Bernardin. Wow, you with Eric. You're, you eat like that.
4: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. Wow! <laughs> it's like Mecky and La Yeah, that's no. it. <laughs> I mean, like, like, yeah, Eric Pro Like, that's my favorite restaurant in New yeah. York. You're, are you La a foodie, foodie or Dan. what? You're a big foodie. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of, you I gotta be a foodie.
1: Say some that. shit like yeah. that, yeah. right? Yeah, that's a, that, that's <laughs> you Honestly, Well,
0: like they have this langoustine that, like, yeah, it, You can't find like I. I'll never forget that langoustine and the service there is unmatched, in- in- impeccable. It's, it's insane. The, really. it's the
2: best of the best. Wow, they bring a
0: footstool. Like if you're with a girl and she has a purse Mm -hmm. they bring a footstool for her purse oh wow so like next to her chair is a footstool and her purse is there oh shit and if you ever want to gas a shorty up it's to have her sit down and have a fucking foot footstool <laughs> for her purse, and she'll be gassed up. Wow, that's yeah. wild. It's it's the top tier. Do they have one for a merce too? Huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about for my merce? Yeah. yeah. A,
1: it's twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. I did. I
0: did, I did have to wear a jacket though. They had. They gave me a jacket. Yeah. They have. They
1: have house jackets too, right? If yeah. Don't wow. Bring a jacket. And I was that's like, this cool. shit is
0: nice. I'm not mad. I was like, it was pretty. good.
1: I, I was gonna ask: Is are any of you guys sober? Like, do you guys not drink? Or do you guys drink?
0: Probably me for
3: the most part. He's newly yeah. sober. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah
1: I, I'm, that's just, the one part about you guys' profession that is so difficult, I feel, because I'm with Zo. Definitely hard, man. Like, yeah. uh, it's hard because they give you the whole, you have the whole service yeah, in the yeah, back yeah, with yeah, the yeah. ice bottle and the two Exactly, yeah. The Jameson and the fucking Grey Goose. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> I, how do you not take a or, shot when yeah. you got I mean, five sparklers coming at you? Yeah. You yeah. know, it's <laughs> like, God damn.
0: We were just saying that the bottle service era of nightclubs was the 2000s, and a lot of the DJs from that era are are somewhat alcoholics because yeah. of the bottle That's service. Interesting. Yeah, because you but like, for free. Because the 2010s, like this generation, like in the yeah. past eight years, they're not really into drinking that yeah. much. Really? No.
2: The, the, the he DJs, talks DJs about are that about. that too is Vice. Um, he yeah. talks about that too where he made a change in his life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He yeah. was drinking a lot. Yeah. yeah. A lot of them are. Because he's yeah. big Vegas DJ and you if have to they, go through that cycle. Well, there's right? a lot.
0: Like, not only that, a lot of his, he was like a host Mm -hmm. so he would host all of these bottles like that was the thing that nightclubs loved about him he like he would bring five tables with him wherever he dj'd yes but those people wanted to come in the booth do shots right and get so it was like this thing when he was sober he actually started losing the tables and like nightclubs were like huh how long are you gonna be sober for because we're not getting the tables anymore (laughs) that's horrible so he literally had to start drinking again and just to get the tables back Shout out Vice He's yeah, that's, you know, Good that's, friend That's yeah.
1: It's just like When it's embedded Into your brand It's tricky It's like I, th- I think about The alcoholics she has deal with that Sushi Yeah, it's who she yeah right They have to take a shot Yeah yeah them. exactly oh, oh yeah yeah Or the, you know like Even the group Alcoholics Like yeah. their yeah. name was The Alcoholics <laughs> yeah. Like How what you if you want To sober up Like <laughs> yeah. the whole they're All the album's lyrics yeah, Is man. about drinking You know yeah. Tash Just announced he was sober He did Shout out to Imagine what kind of
5: Flag he got A couple years ago
1: Tash is one of my favorite rappers too but definitely like they had that energy of just drinking and all that shit yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah but that's that's the thing like even with weed you know like early on in my career too like weed was a big part of my brand like i was yeah. a stoner rapper i had a show called hot box where i'd interview artists inside my car smoking weed like he's done one mm-hmm. um yeah doja kind of one of those. i had do- that was doja early first do- interview <laughs> ever like this was way before <laughs> she was big you know what i mean um but like and then one day I was like, oh, I don't really want to smoke weed no more, like that, you wow, know. what
0: What was that?
1: I just got tired of what, it. I was smoking was weed since a, like I was. What
0: was like his uh crack like mirror I think he just got sick. Well, I, yeah, I
1: was done just smoking weed yeah. since I was fourteen, yeah. and I was up, and by that time I was probably like 28 so 29 uh-huh. and I was like. Fuck, I'm like tired, you know, and this shit's not making me better in any way. I, I just got sluggish and slow. I felt like, you know, and I was like, just one day, I just quit cold turkey. But to be honest, there's other shit right now. It's Are very you trying to try shrooms? I should, I know that's like the thing, but at my the way I associate shrooms is not microdosing because I grew up like tripping yeah. out on shrooms yeah. so it's hard yeah. for me to get into the groove of this microdose because a lot of you know? djs now that's i know like, that's, that's been your thing like they oh. giving
5: up drinking right but i can't lie because you shrooms. can you can perform you yes. can uh, yeah perform function. at
2: your high sl- function yeah yeah right and you're a little more
5: in tune yeah. with what's going yeah. on off of shrooms i, I gotta to ease into
1: something like that you know because yeah. the drinking is is tough for me that one's yeah it's rough
0: so you you got that high though when you would perform and you'd win a battle did you get that? Oh yeah, that was a huge high. But it's like you know, that, that's
1: it's funny because everyone's like, why you know, why don't you just stick to the natural high? Because the artificial high hits with the natural high too. <laughs> you know, it's like an extra high. I don't know. Like I, I just feel like it's not just. The, there's obviously things that I can get off of a natural high, but there's other you know things that. Kind of enhance things for me, yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. So I think that's the part I'm struggling with. Um, I, I, you know, it's like substance abuse and addictions for me. Like I, I do feel like there's, there's a little genetic thing with me too, because my sisters struggle with it too. You know, and my mom really? too. Yeah, my whole family and then your father, with it. right? My yeah. father for sure. But you know, my sister has, I have, my mom too. Like we have, we've had some problems that we're all, you know, struggling with. But luckily, uh, you know, I just did a whole movie with like all recovering. Like, addicts, you know? And comedians, you know, talking to, like, Bobby Lee, Theo mm-hmm. Vaughn. These guys are all in Man. AA meetings and shit, you know? I love Bobby Lee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's, like a, he's a big recovering addict. So yeah. he kind of inspired me, too. We were Absolutely. just having a whole, like, uh, we were having dinner one night, and he was like, bro, you party too much. And I was like, damn. Mm-hmm. I never thought <laughs> yeah, I, said I said that. Bobby <laughs> Lee. <laughs> I never thought this motherfucker, like, would be giving me advice, you know? And he was like, yeah, dude, just chill. Don't, don't fuck with shit. Don't drink. Like, it was like... It was like kind of therapeutic, you know, and because I, I he was telling me his stories of his like dark holes, you know, right. they're pretty similar to his, <laughs> actually. But yeah, <laughs> what
0: what what is it about? I don't know. Maybe is it the West Coast? Is it L.A. that you guys are like? I don't know. I've never met Koreans that really like. Oh, they're there, Battled bro. substance. Abuse. <laughs> they're
4: there. Well, yeah,
0: I don't know. I've 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 never really seen. I've seen the alcohol, obviously, yeah. in, like New yeah, York yeah, and yeah. shit. Yeah, but I've never seen like hard drugs. Like, I just never see Koreans or, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, in the East Coast like that, I don't see that with the It's, hard it's
1: hidden, you know what I mean? I mean, they're not, yeah. like, out and about it. Like, you know, Koreans are going to do that, and they're going to have to go, like, bow to their grandparents, like, next day or some yeah. shit, you know? Like, you can't. Yeah, I I I don't know. I think it's a very secretly kept thing, you know? Really? Yeah.
0: It's so, it's just so foreign to me.
1: But I think maybe what you're touching
2: on is just there's a concentration of artists in, in – L.A. and the West Coast, yeah, and and maybe it seems like it's more because you have Bobby Lee dumbfounded, myself talking about David right. Cho, talking about addiction. That's right. Yeah. And we that's just happen to all be in the same place,
1: you know, and that's maybe why it looks like there are more. Right, yeah. right. There wasn't a time where there was a lot of Asians like talking about this stuff. And to be honest, even with me, I feel like because of a certain Asian upbringing, like before I was able to like kind of talk about these things, I did have a little bit of a barrier willing to talk about this mm-hmm. stuff like me you know what i mean like mm-hmm. did you feel i always felt that but now i'm like comfortable with myself and able to do that but definitely i've done interviews in the past where i, I acted like i was a fucking angel bro i didn't talk about none of this shit that, that's you the one thing I, mean? I was telling these guys because i i grew up watching you battle
3: rap and but there were always asian jokes there was never personal shit like if, if like i'm gonna say some names you guys don't know but like people will clown on real deal for being a teacher or Enes for, you know, asking for money and shit. Like, but they never came at you for nothing real personal like that. So you kept it really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there was a few lines here and there. I remember in 2007, me and Satire, like we were roommates. We did. That was one of the first, like, introduction of us in the media of us battle rapping, mm-hmm. you know. And we were like little Cokeheads at the time. We were like in our. See, I would never know that. Yeah. Night. I was 19, 22. 21 years old around then, and we were roommates. And if you see all our interviews in those battles, like right at post interview, we're just like, "Yeah, man, that was a sick ass." <laughs> battle. <Yeah. laughs> it, like you, you look question. back on it and it's you'll like, see. Swim team, yeah. 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 I'm like, all right. I want yeah. to
2: give a shout out to satire because he comments on my Instagram posts consistently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. satire was like, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and I want to thank like, you for yeah, that, he's a that fan. I mean, love. Yeah, he's a shit. fan. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: didn't know that. And, uh, and yeah, he just dropped the big model today. Yeah, with Marv one, it was a sick ass battle. It was like his return. But like yeah, all those little things was like a big thing. We were just kids that had way too much freedom. Like you know, we had no money. We were, like freestyle for drugs. You know, be <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like a rich white kid on the West Side come and we like rapping
0: for drugs and shit. Did uh, did you ever have like imposter syndrome where you're like I, I shouldn't be like you know I'm like you know because it's like you're Korean, you're Asian. I mean, like
2: I don't know. If did you, you ever have that? Uh, for me, no. Um, because I grew up in an era of. Um, uh, cruise you know so like it didn't matter you know like i grew up in a b-boy era where it didn't matter what race you were you know graffiti b-boying so Mm -hmm. um you know you could have like 31 flavors and it's just it didn't matter because it just mattered what you brought to the table yeah you know so um i never had imposter syndrome i was low riding i was low riding in the late 80s with only asian dude probably for miles but um but i wasn't afraid and no one was you know you know you know
1: like i wasn't foreign to the situation i agree i I, yeah. I think like i completely agree with him and i think that's why we're similar in a sense uh mm-hmm. not just that upbringing but also the way we are is is i learned early on that like especially in hip-hop like being different is a superpower you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. i remember going to project Blood, like i mentioned no can do he was a black kid in the hood who was kind of nerdy, so he was like a like his rhyme style was super like you know intricate lyrical miracle lyrical yeah. miracle, but like smart and kind of nerdy. Like he's like a punk rock looking dude, and that would change me because I even had a perception of like black people during that time because I grew up on you know television and media where everything black dudes were more like gangster and shit. So when I saw him and he was killing fools as this nerdy black dude in a very predominantly black area that made me think like I could be a different type of Asian person in my hood. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, and, and that's a cool thing. That's a dope thing to be, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I, that from then on, I was like, nah, like this shit is dope. Being Asian is dope. And it's every time somebody was come at me, like trying to serve me, I was just waiting. I was like, Oh, you you're about to get served, you know, because mm. uh, people are already underestimating me. So yeah. I already have the upper hand right now. Yeah. When, once I go in, you know what I'm saying? So, I always thought it was a superpower, man. For real,
0: it, I had the opposite experience in New York because I, I felt like everywhere I go, I was getting. Where either- you grow
1: up? Washington Heights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, uh,
0: well, I grew up in like Upper West Side, okay. but like I lived like Barbito lived in my building. There's a okay. really great DJ, Elias Bar was in my building. Wow. And then uh, you know I was in Spanish Harlem for like six, seven years. Yeah, uh, but. It was like everywhere I go, I was getting kind of fucked with a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I had, like, the ching chong shit, but then I was, like, trying to, like, I was either getting chased or beat mm-hmm. down. Yeah. So, wow. like, I, I grew up with this thing where I had to, like, I was just ready for some shit to pop off right, all the right. time. Yeah. I mean, and, that you know? that just
2: comes with the territory. Yeah. It, yeah. Just because we experienced um, a more fluid like lifestyle like what we went through mm-hmm. it's not it, it doesn't mean that that stuff didn't happen to me either yeah, or yeah. probably done ching chong is always going to be, there. <laughs> <always gonna> be <laughs> there where you're in a situation where you know people can talk brave but when they don't people who've never gone through it don't understand when you're the only person in the room right, right. or the block or the situation yeah. and you're outnumbered you, you know it's like Sometimes you got to run or sometimes you got to be quiet, you know, like or when they're yelling or throwing stuff out of the car as you're mm-hmm. going by. Like, what are you going to how are you going to retaliate to that or when they don't seat you at the restaurant or whatever the case may be? Um, those are things, you know, like very subtle racism stuff that is hard to
1: deal with growing up, especially when you're young. Yeah, yeah. that should I, get your blood boiling, boiling. When, when you hear your first little racist thing. I remember yeah. my first ever racial thing that happened to me. Like this was when I was, I I was a child actor for a brief stint when I was like (laughs) nine, 10 years old. I did commercials. I was on a PlayStation 1 commercial back in the day. Mm. So I did a commercial for this video game for PlayStation 1. And it was lunchtime. I was sitting. it was like nine years old or some shit. Mm -hmm. I'm eating. And then the makeup artist passing by taps me and goes, I'm surprised we didn't have to get chopsticks for you and it was just like oh, shit. it's like a joke like she wasn't even re- thinking yeah. she was saying anything racist necessarily you know what i mean and i just kind of like laughed it up but i knew something didn't feel right like i was like boiling you know what i mean like yeah. it was like this crazy inner fucking tantrum i was mm-hmm. having but i kind of like laughed it off and i think made it worse like mm-hmm. just the fact i did that and didn't like say anything yeah even though i was a kid i still felt it you know what i'm saying but being here on the west coast i mean we get all that all the time those little
2: things like right. um, a lot of people don't talk about asian racism now with you know stuff that happened recently during covid but um but no one talks about those little microaggressions,
1: you know, because it's like that's huge. It's like yeah. Asians tend to internalize that shit, and it explodes into a huge yeah. thing. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. you you know, like I'm not all the all these Asian kids just exploding. You hear about them like killing somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's 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 you just bubble that up, and it explodes into some crazy shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you said you got. Uh, yelled at, beat up, Chase Like I've
2: been through that too. You yeah, know, yeah. like uh well, well, you know what it but is. But it's yeah. in environments where I was, it wasn't my place. You know, you got to remember you know, that was L- like yeah. In L. A. Asians dominate. You know, and yeah, that's true. Our situation will never compare to what you know, uh, black culture, black people have to go through. For sure. But we we have to deal with it in different ways. But sometimes we get it overtly. Like mm-hmm. when I was in Providence, Rhode Island, it goes back. It's <laughs> the same story with the crack. The, the this girl, after she wasn't feeling me, I was just walking around the city in Providence and then um, like two groups of like white kids like you know were yelling ching chong ching chong with bats and chains. I thought it was in fucking West Side Story. I don't know what the hell was going on. Right. And it was just me on the streets of Providence you know late night just walking around and the two you know like eight white dudes uh, yelling all these horrible things about to you know fucking kill me you know and I had to run you know. And yeah. you know that kind of stuff is you know Unless you've been through it, you don't understand how much it yeah, it hurts.
0: I think for me, it was like in my hood. Mm. It was where I lived. So mm. like, yeah. so I had That's to do, tough. so I dealt with it. Mm. But it was also like after years, like they become your best friends. The motherfuckers who mm. fuck with you <laughs> yeah. end up yeah. becoming your best friends. So like I always tell people like I have a lot of empathy for ignorance. Yeah. Mm. Do you know, cause it's, it's like the first racism I've ever experienced was from black people. And Puerto Ricans, yeah, yeah, but yeah. then we became like brothers. That's I like. that New York yeah. shit, you know. Yeah. what I'm Saying That's it's that, that roast York culture.
1: Yeah. It's like, to be honest, I, I I respect that, and I have I have the same empathy for ignorance because I grew up in that generation where we roast each other and all that right. shit. And like, you're you, in the end, we're ultimately kids. You know, there's like the scene in Minari, you know that movie Minari with the yeah. Asian family where the I love that movie. That yeah. Asian kid, he goes to this like church thing. And this like white kid says some racist shit to him, like, like what's a, what's wrong with your eyes? Blah blah blah. And the Asian kid's like, I don't know. And then the white kid just like pauses for a second. It's like, you want to go play? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like in the end, they're just like kids, you right. know. So there's gonna be this ignorant shit. But I grew up with that roast culture where like after all that shit, like we ended up chilling, becoming friends and shit. You right. know what I mean? I don't know.
0: Well, it's 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 great because it's just like you know they hate you. You guys end up being cool. And they end up loving the food. They end up loving like kimbap. They're like, oh, I love the sushi shit. They start like knowing the names for kimchi. They love like, mm-hmm. you guys start sharing. Yeah. So I have this empathy where like, I you know, everyone I meet is always going to be ignorant. So like, you know, in the 80s or 90s, there was no Korean. You were just Chinese or yeah. Bruce Lee, right? Yeah. Because yeah. there wasn't this, you know, <laughs> education. Everyone knew where there were different countries in Asia. You know what I'm saying? So. I understood that, and I had to, I had that patience to talk with motherfuckers like, yo, I'm not Chinese, you know. I like, just, want know, to be, all that
4: I just
2: wanted to be Filipino, man, because they, <laughs> yeah. they, they 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 always got the bridge between <laughs> they, they, it all. They are the bridge. They are the yeah. bridge between it all, man. Yeah, that's because the Filipi- they're Asian, but, but then they, they're always accepted by. non they're the by biggest, They're the
0: biggest mob in L.A., right? Filipinos, kind of.
2: Yeah, I, well, yeah. Filipino culture out here is huge. Yeah, yeah we, we got three huge communities: Eagle Rock, Glendale. West Covina and Cerritos.
4: You,
0: you know, know, like Bobby Lee was. I nah, think he, ham, on, yeah, you I know on his you. on his podcast Tiger Belly. Yeah,
1: Kalila. is Filipino. Yeah, so. she's
0: Filipino. Yeah, yeah. But he was talking about um, he doesn't get the support from Asians, Koreans. I but think he gets support from Filipinos.
2: Oh hell yeah! So this and, Col- and
0: the artist, yeah. the, uh, the artist uh, David Cho. Yeah. Yeah, he was saying that. Like, throughout my, my whole career, I've never been supported by Koreans. But Filipinos have always had my back. Look,
1: there's some truth about that. But I also think Bobby and David are like very old generation. Right. And they've grew. They have this trauma in them where they don't feel the support. But that's not true. There has been tons of Koreans that have supported Bobby and David. You know what I mean? And I think it's been this ongoing thing they've created in their head. And it's not true. Like, I know Korean kids that are my age that grew up idolizing Bobby and David. Like, David was my, one of my favorite artists since I was, like, in middle school, bro. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I followed Bobby since I was young as fuck, and I knew mad Korean kids, weirdo Korean kids like me who yeah. fucking looked up to them. You know what I'm saying? So that I don't think that's true. Like, I don't believe that. You know it might I'm be not? the first generation that scarred them. You know, like, the parents. They did. They, they, yeah. they, they did get scarred. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. They probably, you know, they didn't have much support, Asian support, back in the day. I'll admit yeah. that. But I don't, I think... That is false, and now it's for sure false because yeah. there's a lot of Asians that support them.
0: And Roy, you kind of blew up in a different era because if you if you blew up in their era, you may have, you may have the same experience as them, right? Because you blew Maybe, up a little yeah. bit later.
2: Yeah, I you know, um, I just had a regular job in a regular life. You know, yeah. I, I wasn't as fortunate as Dom and Bobby and David, where they became famous early. Right. You know, and everything that comes with that. You know, and being in the spotlight early and having your art. Um, start early so that you can hone it and craft it and, you know, and then, and your fans go with you. Um, you know, I didn't become a public figure and like almost like Anthony Bourdain until later in life.
0: That's what I love about you know. Anthony Bourdain and you is like you guys were like, like working chefs. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I like. This is what the podcast is about. Like mm-hmm. you always see the celebrity DJs, but there's no voice for. Regular, the working people, yeah. The DJs, people's, yeah the and people's, like yeah. guys like you and Anthony Bourdain are working chefs. That's you, why in my you know?
2: establishments, I always try to give a platform for that. You know, whether right. it was the line hotel, whether it's best friend, you know, I'm not going, of course, if we get you know whoever Zed to play, great, you know, yeah. but I'm not going for that. You know, I'm going for working class DJs.
5: You came oh. up uh, working uh, with the Hilton Corporation.
2: Uh, well, I started in New York in restaurants, uh-huh. in like the Le Bernardin, uh, French restaurant, kind of like up and coming scene as well. And then um, wait, but how
0: did you get in there? It must have been so hard to get into that. No, it's not. Restaurant? It's no? actually
2: not. Um, restaurants are a very uh, old school culture where you think that it's hard. You think you have to send in your resume and all this, but chefs really respond. Like I know I do as well. Um, someone coming in the back door knocking. And saying, hey, you know, I'll do anything. Mm. Can, I, can I work for you? Uh, in most cases, a chef will say, get in here. You They'll know, like respect that? They respect that. Really? That's the way to do it. That's, wow. There was a saying that like.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I, I Kind of like, please listen to my demo. It's kind of like. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's the I'm version really of that. Yeah. And you just keep dropping it. And wow. eventually they're going to say, just get in there and, you know. Wow. And so that's what
0: happened. With that's the how kids. you get
2: into kitchens. Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. yeah. I would say early on too when he first started Kogi too, he would go to a lot of musicians' shows and come backstage and he'll literally have jackets like with burritos yeah. and just give them. He used to do that with my shows. I used to have shows, Knitting Factory, and he just pull up backstage and like I'd be there with the homies and he'd just have... Like a jacket full of burritos and just feed us. Yeah, I used to like bring. For real. Like, yeah, probably like eight to ten burritos with me. I had them all over,
2: and wow. then when the bouncer stopped me, I would give him one. And then, and then they be like, oh, "Shit!" It was, okay.
1: a, it was a custom jacket he built just for, custom, yeah, just for burritos, not for burritos. But, but you, it was wild. You know,
0: you know, that's what DJs do with our mixtapes, right? We would like I would go out and I'd have all my mixtape stash. Mm-hmm. And that's I just be wild. handing out mixtapes.
1: That's that's yeah. And
0: after a while, people are like, "Yo, that was a dope mix," and they're like, "Yo, that was a dope burrito, Roy." Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It Absolutely.
1: was like as the, the, the junkies, as dilated. Anyone? I love that. Anyway. I, I love it because it just to me, like at the time, I wasn't a foodie or nothing. But seeing that was like such a new thing for me. That yeah. oh, this like this is a real fucking craft. You know, like yeah. the the food, and here's my demo. Like literally. Yeah you should eat this because I'm the best at this shit and like he would just feed us burritos and we're like god damn so I feel like his Kogi journey with what he's done with Kogi is, is like I feel like that's kind of what he did he was like just try this shit that's fire mm-hmm. and it blew the fuck up you know so
3: he like- used to park the truck in front of my mom's house oh where's really? uh, yeah Where you, Where Silver was your Lake mom? right there in front of Metro Torrena oh yeah at the flea market yeah. so one time I was taking out the trash and then I see a Kogi truck I was like what the fuck is that I'd just walk over and outer I- order sliders and the burrito Oh, changed my water. life after yeah. that. That shit was fire for sure.
0: It's it's funny wow. I like I I've been telling people like you were coming on the show and I, who were we, we were with somebody at some bar or some lounge or club. Mm-hmm. They would be like oh yeah, he would he would be outside all the time. We mm-hmm. we'd see Roy all the yeah. time parked out.
2: But it was also my way bringing the burritos or parking in front of the shows or clubs. It was my way to cuz again I, like I mentioned earlier I was a fan first. So I would be meeting what Kogi did for my life it broke the fourth wall. To a lot of people, like, people I was huge fans of, Mm. you know, whether it's Dumb or Dilated, Ev and Raka, or the Junkies with Babs and everyone. And so, like, for me, I didn't have a craft where I could go next to them and show them, like, my scratching skill or my MC skill. So. Like I was nervous, and like the burrito was like, <laughs> was like my se- well, yeah, it was like my sixteen, you know, Just like yeah, yeah, try, yeah, try <laughs> this, and then out. yeah, it, was, it gave me a bridge to be able to um, become friends. But
0: it's like community, though, right? Because yeah. oh, yeah. it's like it's a community of creatives, mm-hmm. and it's like you're you they're giving you an offering, you're giving them an offering, mm-hmm. and you guys are building something together. and You can become a part of it. I think it's amazing because I, you're part of nightlife, LA nightlife as well. As the Hell culinary, yeah. you know, well, we story started at it. the club. Yeah.
2: We started at um Chris. uh no, no, no. We started at Cabana.
1: The, oh yeah, before- Cabana
2: Green Door which was um on Ivar.
1: I I will admit though I do feel like a burrito is gonna make a longer impact than a sixteen. Than yeah. A 16,
4: yeah. <laughs> like who
1: should I be friends with? The guy who gave me that delicious burrito, the guy who's been spitting in my ear for the last fucking yeah. thirty minutes.
0: That's why I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. I, wait, I'm I'm one of the biggest fans of Jon Favreau. Oh, ever. good. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, like the reason the club same same yeah. yeah. So we are we are here? Like ever since I saw uh, Dinner for Five. Yes. I always said I love that that he like that was the realest shit I've ever seen with actors or anyone in Hollywood mm-hmm. where they sat down, you know, they shitted on Woody Allen. They're talking about everything, and I was like, "This is so real." And yeah, I that was
2: podcast before podcast
0: exactly. Yeah, you know. right. yep. And I was such a big fan of it. I was like, you know, I was like, I, I want something like that for DJs and like and mm-hmm. creatives. And I've always wanted to kind of have a podcast or a platform similar for dinner for five Mm. and i always loved john favreau because you know to me he was like a regular dude he was like a working guy he wasn't good looking you know like he just didn't have that typical hollywood star power yeah he wasn't you know he wasn't brad pitt but he hustled his way you know wrote swingers you he
2: want had me to, to like text that to John right now yeah, that yeah, he you know. wasn't good looking? <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, I could do that right yeah, I was like, now. What kind of compliment you know, is that? I could do that right now. That said no. he, was not good <laughs> he wasn't like the typical <laughs> yeah. standards of what Hollywood <laughs> right, right, right. is like, you know. He wasn't a leading is. man. A leading the man. Yeah, what what a leading man for. is. You yeah. know. but I just think what what he had and his hustle mentality, he really made a place for himself. And everything he did to me was like groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. And but it was like to people who noticed it really like Swingers was groundbreaking to me. But it was
2: groundbreaking. Yeah you know, it, it it laid the st- it laid the ground for independent film. Yeah, making mm-hmm. you know it was you know it was Swingers, uh, El Mariachi, and mm-hmm. like Goodwill. You know like um, Goodwill Hunting. You know those those
1: films at that time like it was really clerks, laid the gr- all, all of those clerks. clerks all yeah. of those. It laid swingers the groundwork. Was so L A. That's the one yeah. thing I loved about that fucking movie. And like honestly, I just always loved their style like i like when i mm-hmm. think of like la 90s kind of clothing styles like mm-hmm. i'm influenced Did by you that experience style
2: the swinger culture in la you were too young no right? i was way too young yeah yeah. yeah. but i just it was I, a thing but that it was, was like that
1: things. those some of my fashion like influences like yeah. i love that 90s era of clothing and shit like that sometimes.
2: were you into this you
0: weren't into no i
2: was actually in new york when the okay, swinger okay. the swinger and ecstasy thing happened in la <laughs> which was like mid to late 90s <laughs> i missed that i was too young yeah, yeah. um sure. it was a whole thing out here from like '90 five six to like 2000 um and uh i was in new york unfortunately but it was yeah it was i would come back home and see it and i'll be like whoa you know like what is this because i left before it happened yeah (laughs) and then when i came back to visit i was like damn everyone's wearing chains and like you know New York <laughs> had the club kids. Yeah, and then uh, I was yeah. in New York doing a great time during that club time. Yeah, yeah. It was- um, Oh, what were you going what, to New York? It yeah, was uh, mid-carbon. Do you remember carbon? Yeah. Of course. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that shit was crazy, <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That club was crazy. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, so limelight, all that limelight, stuff. Wow. Yeah. Limelight, carbon. My friend ran the door at limelight and like- Shit, I um, don't know about these tales. Oh, yeah. the, the, it was like the club would go to like 7 a.m., 8 yeah. a.m., and then you yeah. go to a diner after and then like- um, Lime a lot of crazy, e, a lot yeah. of e going on, a lot of glow
1: sticks, right, but right, it was right. it was really fun though. Rave culture.
0: Yeah. Limelight like was Grave like a church. It was like insane. <laughs> oh right,
1: right, right. That's the shit in the movie Monster, right or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Based like, on, yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. Limelight yeah. Lime was in the but church. Macaulay. Michael Ali. Michael,
6: mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the club kit yeah killed the club a dude. Yep. yeah.
2: Yep. carbon was like the size of almost like a whole block like a New York City block and it was just that's crazy. yeah
0: I forgot about carbon yeah. yeah that was a huge that was a that was huge like club a mega club yeah.
6: yeah damn and it
2: was split right like so how did the DJ thing work in those big clubs back then they had different rooms in okay. the club
0: they,
6: mm-hmm. they had the main floor which was usually house music yeah and they had the smaller rooms that would play hip hop right mm-hmm. That's right So different type of music Reggae mm-hmm. Or it was Mostly hip hop But it had like a couple of rooms at carbon
2: And I remember there were Some clubs where they were like Different floors
1: Back mm-hmm. then In the 90s In New York Yeah you had where You would go to like A different floor the And it Tunnel would be, was one of Tunnel It was Tunnel oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I've right. definitely heard tales Of all these mm-hmm. places though yeah. yeah
2: Did you guys DJ In those I, clubs? I, I DJed at like once Oh really? Oh wow yeah. Did
6: you? I did, yeah. I never knew that. Yep. I filled in for um, Riz. Was it Riz? Shout out to Riz. Mm-hmm. I think some. Yeah, I think he couldn't come in one night, and I filled mm-hmm. in for him. And I had to carry crates because I was at the, in the upstairs church. Mm-hmm. And I had to carry my. There was a ladder.
2: And I had oh, to there carry. was no laptop at that time, right? Nope. No laptop for Serato.
4: No, no. yeah. oh Serato
6: <laughs> so <much>, yeah. <laughs> so came
3: in
2: 0405. 04.
6: <laughs> well, I had a case, so it wasn't crazy, but still
2: carrying the, um, mm-hmm. the
6: case up the ladder, it was like no I joke, can't
2: huh? believe motherfuckers used to do that. Dude, the mobile <laughs> DJ know? thing. Did you guys do that in New York? Here in LA, we used.
1: Lug the speakers, the mixers, I, we, I the just, everything. We just taught I just told him about the house the, party scene nah, back then. Nah nah, nah,
6: nah, I'm doing my error. That's, I wasn't doing that. Yeah. Nah, nah. Wait, so, so
1: Serato came what year? 04, 2004. 2004. Yeah. So yeah, 2004 is about um, when I started like doing shows and stuff. I was 2002 is when I started rapping, so... I was catching probably the tail end of that shit. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but yeah. But that's so crazy. People used to carry crazy. The mobile yeah, DJ, man. West Coast mobile DJ, Is it the, was a whole thing.
2: The
0: man. LA party scene, the LA party crew We would have that? to set up. It would be like taking, it would be
2: an empty room, and then you as the DJ would yeah. have to set yeah. up the whole experience. It was oh, like you know, the beginning of light, the Lights, too. Lights, yeah, uh-huh. too.
3: You'd have to bring lights. Yeah, I was telling you about the flyer parties and the yeah, party the flyer crews.
2: And all
0: that stuff. Were you part of a crew, like a LA party crew?
2: Or not? Um... No, not at that time. No, I, well, I wasn't With the, part of like the crew.
0: badges and all of that shit.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't part of a, a
1: specific no. crew, but I knew a lot of different crews, and I was just like going to the parties. Can you imagine just setting up all that shit for like hours, lights, and all that, and like five motherfuckers come to the party for free? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. oh usually for free. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my! God. I used to do that. I, we, I
0: did that
3: for free for a few times. That's wild, bro. We go
0: to like abandoned apartment buildings. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember setting up my turntables, and we flipped the couch over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could DJ oh, you know, on nice. B Street, huh? <laughs> that was it was B- just <laughs> it was crazy, and like eight people showed up. That's great. And, and, and I hooked everything up, and then it was like the wackest shit ever. But I I loved it.
1: Yo, shout out to the DJs. Yeah, man. working y'all, class DJs. y'all do so much with man. the pickup <laughs> truck. Yeah, <Yep.
0: laughs> you've always you've always supported the DJs though. Like I thought it was dope that yeah. you, like when uh, best friend opened, you had the B Junkies there. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and you know we've never re- I've never really seen the B Junkies like. I mean, I mean, I was around it, trip. you
2: know, for you know, from a very young age. Um, you know, uh, a couple of my friends were DJ, so i was I was the I was always the homie carrying the records, you know, um, and I would just sit around, smoke weed, and you know, just be a part of the culture. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, trying to think exactly when, you know, and you know, all, all the New York stuff with Kid Capri and all that stuff, early day stuff. But I think it was when I first was going down the internet hole and I found Cubert. I think that mm-hmm, was like mm-hmm. when Kubert was doing like the backward scratch and all the different things and I saw an Asian dude and he was doing this. It it just for me it kind of it, it created like a, a welding bond mm. between me and DJ.
5: How did you connect with the B junkies? Was it through food uh, or before that?
2: Exactly how did I get through it? my restaurant A-Frame. Evidence came in first. So it it went it went in a succession of events. It was first Action Bronson that came in, mm-hmm. and then Action told Ev, and then Ev came in, and Ev, Ev told Raka. Then Raka came in, and then Raka told Babs, and the Babs came in. And then from there, it was over. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then um, then it was just like once that happens, it was kind of like the levy broke and all of a, I, don't, I can't recall even when or how everything happened, but then all of a sudden, I felt like I went to sleep. I woke up, and I was like, I knew everybody. I, I You know, I knew Rhett, Styles,
0: you know.
1: Mellow, yeah, mu- music and food yeah. has just joined. Kind of the cro- the cultures have just kind of overlapped mm-hmm. so crazy yeah. in the last couple of years. I feel.
0: I mean, all of us has have done at least one set at Best Friend, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Las Vegas. I do them a lot. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What what gravitated you to Jamie? By the way, yeah, because you requested me a lot. It's like,
2: yeah, Jamie or so. I was like, because
3: ah,
0: well,
2: Jamie was there early, yeah. and yeah. um, you know, we had like um. I try to create specific themes in restaurants, but then I don't, I don't like stick to them. I, I start with a theme and then I let it kind of probably like how you guys go through and you may have like a set list you want to go, but yeah. the crowd may take you a different way or the dance floor may take you a different way. Um, usually grow, but the, the theme was kind of like 90s to 2000 hip hop, R and B, you know, like party music, but also like street music, not too much cursing, not too much sex, you know, but like fun music like like that could create a vibe and jamie was one of the first that started coming in he he got it early so you know
0: and then you know and he's from la and things just clicked he he would come like uh, we would like uh talk and he'd be like i'd be like yo how's best friend He's like, oh, it was dope, you know. It's like Roy really likes me, man. Like, you know, he talks to me, he hangs. out. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, to the the, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then boy
3: on like, online, I'm like, yeah, stop lying, I swear. And we wouldn't
0: believe him. I'd be like, you full of shit. Like, why in the fuck is Roy talking to right? you? Like, why it's is it, he gravitating? Like, Roy want me here every night. Yeah, yeah, every night. Yeah,
3: man. Roy don't want you here every night. It's funny because me and Roy sat down one time and we we're talking. He's like, how do you figure out the music? I was like, well, I I take it like a tour of L. A. I'm like if I play house and this disco, this motherfucker touring, I, know, right? I love yeah, yeah,
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> so <if> I play, <laughs> he's pandering.
4: <Yeah>.
3: Nah, nah. <laughs> so if I if I if I you know play house or disco or any like dance music, we're like in West Hollywood, and then if I play the cumbia, that's yeah. East LA. So that, he's like, wow, I never thought about it. Like I'm like, yeah, I mean, we try to give him the whole experience of, you know, best friend is a LA
2: based yeah. kind of culture. But I different. do have to um, shout out Eddie Mac Eddie because Mack. it's Eddie, really through Eddie. You know, I had to, de- you know, like with a restaurant, you develop the concept very much like with writing or with like making a movie or a television show. Like you're doing all this stuff years ahead of time. And with Best Friend, we had to conceptualize and build the project and the brand and all these things like two, three years before the doors even, even open. And so I got to know Eddie early on. Um, and, you know, in Vegas, he's the man. And so he really um, understood what we were trying to do. Because at that time, which sounds so weird, which is what we started the project conceptually probably like, we opened in 18, so it must have been six, seven years ago already, just conceptually. Really? Yeah. Because you conceptualized the project in like 2016, you know, but it opened at the end of 2018. Right. So I got to know him then, and I gave him this idea I wanted to create like a working class hip hop. You know environment that was like also family friendly and all these things he got it right away but vegas at that time hip-hop meant violence right hip-hop meant only trap you know and you know i love trap music but that's not all of hip-hop obviously as we all know you know um and i was like i want nerdy stuff you know all the the, like vegas you know as soon as you say the word hip-hop they're gonna freak out and i i'm proud that over the years now in five years since or four years since we've been open We've changed the dialogue around that. You look at on the record now. You look at other things. You look at the acts that they're bringing in, the DJs mm-hmm. they're booking, the uh, the crowds that are being gathered. Um, it, it's it's it. The pendulum is definitely. Sw- moved you know were, were you uh, it's not just future egg Dre's, you know yeah right, 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 right you know right, right. now there's like a hip-hop scene that mm, you yeah. guys can dj at definitely know?
0: well what you guys created at uh with on the record best friend and even just the park mgm mm-hmm. is just this like this, this nostalgic hip-hop experience mm-hmm. yeah. for like the 90s and the 2000s music experience yeah. Yeah. yeah and it just happens to be in line with what's happening you know with the pandemic everyone listened to all this mm-hmm. like all yeah. these back catalogs of music, yeah. So now that's more relevant than ever. So you guys were kind of ahead when it came to that uh, musically and that that whole direction.
2: Yeah, and it was a it was coming off of. Um, I mean, Dumb knows it well. We we started that kind of like cultural project with the Line Hotel in Koreatown because. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. We did something there that was kind of unheard of, which is this like, you know, very hipster that was hotel, an era for sure, and we took over the lobby. And, like, it wasn't even, like, a cordoned-off room. It was, like, the hotel. So
1: families were checking in, and people were grinding. on. The so floor. this was this a <laughs> crazy thing. So Line Hotel came into Koreatown, right? And it was the, the first hotel that was more, like, an international kind of hotel. Yeah. That's a hipster hotel. Everything was, like, old Korean hotels. And they brought in Roy to do the food. Right. But he wanted to do, like, a night. Uh, you know, in the lobby and the lobby is like just a lobby and it it just all of a sudden. And for like five years was like the Asian American Asian American club, like this pre arena pre all that shit. And it was lit. Like I'm talking, This place looked crazy Like if I was like A family from Ohio Who came in (laughs) Just to stay for the weekend (laughs) I'd be like God That's probably why They shut it down But it was insane And it became like The spot where Any Asian person Across the country Would come visit LA That's the spot You go Friday Saturday night Friday Saturday night Line hotel lobby And it was Even Korean artists You know K-pop artists They'd come Stay at the hotel And And Zo was one of the big I would say He had a lot to do with it Because he was the main DJ there Yeah, yeah, And he would fucking murder it Like there were people Who just go there just like is is Zoe spinning you know is that guy spinning you know is that Middle Eastern dude spinning I'm like he's not Middle Eastern (laughs) but I he was the the dude and like it just was crazy like I I, smoking area to the inside like I I don't know how many people were there every weekend but it was absolutely nuts so we wanted to take that because it
2: it ended abruptly so we wanted to take that and it bled right into Vegas.
1: I felt like it was kind of some bullshit too, the way they yeah. ended it too. It was like some like, you know, cause they're coming into like this community and we literally built something there that is very, that community mm-hmm. and they just like kind of stripped it away. They even Roy's not there either. You know what I yeah. mean? And, Roy helped bring in so they made so much money off that You got two K-Town brothers. for K-Town. Yeah. You know, for them. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. They made so much money off that shit, too. Did
0: the K-Town council, like, kind of have no, a meeting about it? No,
1: it's just the, it? you know, it's just the- um, The business. The business.
6: Was uh, that right. run by the Hughes
0: Brothers also? No. No, 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 no. no, no, no.
1: Houston no. Brothers have a club in there. Yeah, Houston, okay. Yeah, yeah but the, the the whole hotel is like a group, you know. Oh. Yeah. I remember
0: hearing about the parties and everything like that. I didn't know it was, like, mostly Asian crowd. I thought it was kind of mixed in there. That, I, that it started was, to get mixed. It yeah. mixed and
2: again it wasn't asian in the sense of like um only korean or anything it was yeah. like it was like, it was like asians like us you know like k-town k-town kids coming yeah there, you and know. it was like you know vietnamese Booms. chinese <laughs> yeah, from chinese. like
1: cerritos and torrance and it was yeah. like a very like it was kind of like a hub you know uh, i guess what you can say arena is now but this was like pre arena you know and it was fucking the spot it was lit i loved it because it was my era of like partying probably similar crowd to where like where uh zoe
2: dj's now terracotta or whatever yeah, i haven't terracotta, been oh, but yeah. probably that sim- or lock and key or lock and key yeah. yeah
0: are there still any like traditional like korean nightclubs in N- nah. anymore around
2: not from that like not the traditional style with booking and no nah, that and, shit like, does not in exist. new york i saw it. i was just came oh, really? back from new york and i saw some fool the waiters the old school waiters with like nicknames and yeah stuff, and yeah they they were, like, you know, and they were bringing people upstairs and stuff like that. It's not. It's not the right
1: climate for booking yeah. clubs. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys
0: know about booking clubs? No, oh, like, not, I don't know. What that yeah, explain that yeah. shit. Oh shit! It's mean, so I've, politically
1: incorrect. I've Go never. Ahead.
0: I've never been to it, but from what I've heard, is that it's basically, well, the way the nightclubs are set up in Korean nightclubs, from what I've heard, is like you have to play slow music. Like every, you have to buy a bottle, and you have to have a table. And like, if you can't finish the bottle, you can buy a half bottle. And you can, like, if you don't finish it, they, they'll put your name on it and they, they'll save it for you, right? Which I thought was really interesting. They'll, like, store your bottle for yeah. you to come back. And then there's, like, slow dancing. And then when there's slow dancing, you go back and you drink. And then there's, like, dancing, dancing. But then there's a waiter that kind of goes around to all the tables. So if, if there's a group of us and we like a couple girls over there, you tell the waiter, like, I like that one girl. So then he would go to that table. Like pick the girl up or drag <laughs> her over, and drag fuckers. her over to your table, and and it was like the understanding that the girl didn't wasn't supposed to come willingly, right? She can't say no, it. no, she no, no.
1: What this is is like so in Korea culture, there isn't a yeah. lot of like spitting game. Like you yeah. don't like walk like in Korea, like you wouldn't walk up to a girl and be like, "What's up, girl? I think you're cute. Can I buy you a drink?" Right. Like that'd be like too forward over there, you know what I mean? So they had these clubs where. Dudes buy bottles And have a table And mm-hmm. girls who go To these clubs Have an understanding That if the waiter Comes to them And they're like These dudes Want to have a drink With you they gotta, They'll got to go and grab a drink You don't have to stay But they they gotta come And grab a drink See, I, I And then they, they could leave You know what I mean But I thought
0: they were Kind of always like No 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 I don't want to go They and then, might
1: do that But they, they they were aggressive And that's why That shit don't exist Because they wouldn't Really work in this Yeah, yeah so like If the work, girl was like,
0: like, like No no Then the guy the, the waiter would pick them up Or drag them yeah, you to know, your, your table. Yeah, table ain't gonna fly now You
1: oh, know what I'm no. yeah, yeah, Drag them two now you can't but there that. was only a few of those existing towards the end of like the last you know five ten years because you know in k-town there's maybe yeah. one you know like the height of it i mean you go back and look at 80s movies they're so racist and so
2: sexist now mm-hmm. you just the height of it was in the 80s and 90s you oh know? really and, you know you're talking about like don't just touch on a very sexually repressed kind of culture you don't have the you don't have the culture of spitting game or going up to someone and buying them a drink and you know, let me get your number. Like those are things that you don't do in Asian culture, and never been so, a problem for us, of course. Never right? been a problem for us. Just on the record, <laughs> you know. So, um but yeah. So then there was this ceremony. It, it's weird because it's kind of like right. a, like a feathering, you know, a bird ceremony of like the guy buys the bottle and then he points and then the waiter brings the the girls over, it was a whole thing i, I, whole I, thing, I you know?
1: i've i've gone in the yeah, past and it was so weird like i didn't yeah. i wasn't used to that shit you know i was just like yo chill like and it was just <laughs> like a weird experience for me and also like i'm i'm kind of shy in a sense just like if you sat sit like a random girl who don't want to be there next to me i'm, I'm gonna feel weird as fuck mm-hmm. you know what i mean i don't want to even be there you know like i'd rather actually go up to yeah. a girl that you know whatever
0: but my impression is that the girl always acted like they didn't want to be there like, and you kind of had to, like, you know, I don't know, like, some, charm some, them a little some bit. Some
1: want, like, they might want to drink or some don't want to be there right. for sure. But, like, they don't, they'll just, they'll come to join you for a drink and then they could dip, you But know? if
0: they like you, they'll stay.
1: They'll stay. Yeah, yeah, they'll stay. But like, if they don't, they'll be like, thanks It's for the a drink. match, it's
0: more like, it's supposed to be a matchmaking thing. It's supposed to be a
1: matchmaking thing, you know. But obviously, yeah. no one should be, like, dragging Yeah, the in the shit.
2: ugliest, yeah, in the ugliest lens of it, it none of it was right. Yeah, yeah. But right. if you were just to try to understand what was happening, it was like speed dating. It was like speed dating at the club.
1: Matchmaking, yeah, match all making, that kind yeah. of shit. You know what I mean? That's bizarre. <laughs> but yeah,
0: that, that it there, is was, bizarre. there was it's regular true. there was regular Korean clubs, right? Like that, that weren't Um, booking clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not
1: everything is booking club, but I mean, there's, you know, like, it's like, there's always going to be. I think that's the thing about LA, there's more of like the kind of segregated, like, black clubs to Asian clubs. You know what I mean? New York is definitely way more integrated in that way.
0: No, they still, they
1: still, I mean, I know know that exists, but there's more like in New York, it's just way more integrated in general. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, over here, it definitely is a lot more different like areas of types of motherfuckers that go there you know what i mean so that's the one thing i like about new york is like when you go to a club like the dancing like everyone's kind of having fun with each other you know way more people dance in new york than la hundred percent one thousand percent yeah i mean
0: la gotta be everybody's want the instagram post la gotta be maybe the everyone every dj says it like maybe the worst nightlife like the the worst yeah, experience is that is that a
1: thing they say L A is the worst. Yeah, it's
5: kind of like or DJ crowd. is tough.
1: Really, it's you the worst just, crowd to yeah. DJ for now. Wow, really?
5: Yeah, but no, to, to I your could point, see
2: that um, yeah. other than K Town though, yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs>
5: just, yeah, K Town goes off. K Town
3: yeah, yeah. goes off. K Town yeah. is like his own world. Like the Asian community just loves everything. Like there's a house EDM club, and then you have arena hip hop club or whatever. But
2: yeah, but I could see that for like downtown clubs and stuff. that. maybe we shouldn't. Maybe
0: we shouldn't label it L A, but more Hollywood. Yeah, the that the Hollywood. Hollywood, right, Hollywood has right. the worst nightclub. It's like one of the more worst nightclub experiences for a DJ to. Kind a lot of, of
1: flexing going on there. You know? Yeah, especially with phones. When yeah. the phones
0: became like more apparent in the nightclubs, it, it got even worse. Like when One Oak was popping. Yeah, it was like everyone was on their phones, and it, and it became a thing of like you only want to like the girls were only getting selfies during songs that they wanted to get selfies for yeah. and then everyone was kind of performative and like getting amped up during that one song but then (laughs) everyone just sat down and like
5: scrolled Instagram yeah 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 even dumb to your point like we were saying like you you feel like New York's more integrated we talk about it a lot it's because you're forced to be around yeah. other cultures whether it's the subways or like that's through, the one thing I love about New York walking the city you're just interacting constantly where in LA you're in your car you're isolated you're right you, you're could, right. you have pockets to where you can just completely be isolated and New York's just not like that's that that's the
1: one thing know. I love about New York you like the Wall Street dudes have to be with the the fashion kids and they're all integrated mm-hmm. together so that is, that, that's, that is what makes New York a great city too you know so
0: I have a question about the menu at Best Friend when you were putting that together like the first like korean restaurant on the las vegas strip like how much did you have to like i don't know like conform to like you know middle american and like the mm-hmm. the taste buds of that and where you can like constantly adapting the menu you know yeah,
2: I, I i try not to conform at all you i don't. i just um I, I just try to make people have a great time you know right. maybe like if you believe in a set that you or, or a song rotation that you really mm-hmm. think can get the the party going you know people will respond you know you, um if you play too short blow that whistle you know people are gonna you know yeah, yeah. go hype right like i just try to uh believe and rely on the on deliciousness you know and not try to worry about cultural differences or will this person get it will that business person get it i think if the food is just delicious and you put it in front of them and um, they're gonna feel it, and you know, it's happened that way. So um, I just rely on deliciousness.
0: Because Vegas has that formula. I feel it's like that noble formula. They have like every every Asian fusion restaurant has like a miso yeah. black cod. Yeah, yeah. You all know, right. but Best yeah. Friend changed all that. Yeah. You
2: know, we um, you know, we had the opportunity and and the, you know, the privilege to be able to take chances and yeah. Um, and just you know, do something that no one ever did.
0: Did did you ever have Myeon on the menu? He said you
2: guys did. I, we didn't have Myeon. Did. We had a what's that? The war soup? You're telling me? No, 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 no.
3: Myeon is Chique. like a cold noodle soup. Oh no, no! I remember I told you they had the soldier soup that you were telling me
2: about. Yes. They had that really Pudeg early. On. Oh, with the yeah. spam and the cheese and yeah. The, yeah.
3: the... all that stuff. Yeah. Diego told me. Shout out to Diego. He's like, yeah, we used to have it in the beginning, but no one really ordered it.
2: Yeah. So is, that's the only. Th- Way that we'll maybe conform or make decisions. If no one's ordering the food, then we'll find something else to replace it with. But yeah, so he constantly
3: well, is changing
0: yeah. the mm-hmm. the menu to other Asian, I mean Korean stuff. Dude, yep. that's like the hardest thing for me to find. Like, is a good naengmyeon, a good cold noodle soup. Is that like maybe one of the hardest things to perfect in? It's hard. Korean-
2: yeah, because you know, yeah, you have to perfect the subtlety of the broth. It's a beef broth that's ice cold. Right. You know. Um, the noodle, you're dealing with a buckwheat noodle that's extremely hard to to manage and deal with because it's chewy. And if you undercook it or overcook it, it's not right. There's it's, a whole yeah.
1: Netflix series yeah. on that alone called Noodles. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, it's a Korean one. You should watch it. It's called um, something Rhapsody, Noodle Rhapsody or something yeah, like that.
2: It's really hard to get an It's one of the hardest foods. It that's is, the right? one
3: we have over there in Koreatown. Right? I drag
0: him. Every time I that's come to shit. LA, I take him to Yuchun. Yuchun, yeah, that's the spot. That, that is the, the spot, spot then, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's the spot. Yo, Roy Choi, dumbfounded. You know, I'm, I can't believe you guys are here. I, this is like such an honor for you guys to be here. We can't believe it either. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> both of us thought we were doing
2: this solo.
1: Uh
0: no, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is no bullshit. It's no, right. It was like an Asian typecast. You guys yeah. that came in together. I,
1: I'm, I hope uh, you know your uh, Korean journey is a, is a long one from here. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you said you only have five Koreans, right? right. We like you're
0: out so, with Dumpfender more often. Yeah, yeah are I'm we the try.
1: two other Koreans in addition to yeah, your five? Yeah. So that's eight.
0: It's, it's fun. funny we were at this. We were at the at Mac, uh, Mac agency. Eddie's uh, Eddie's house, house party. House party. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then Cook say, "Oh, they go dumbfounded."
6: I'm like, "Yo, go go up to him, say what's up." And he was like, "Nah, I don't want to bother." Yeah, yeah. I don't like. I don't
1: like. I don't like. At a fucking house party. At sometimes <laughs> a house
4: party, man. It's not a,
6: a club. club. 40 it's 40 a party. people yeah.
1: Although it was dope because Flavor Flav was <laughs> hyping the whole shit. Yeah, Flavor Flav just
5: showed up. It was like random, and it was a small, like it
1: was just like a house on a regular block in the suburbs, you know. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. it's flavor flavors. I
2: was in downtown Vegas. Yeah. Have you guys ever DJ'd for a band or like for a rapper as well or is it is it take a different cuz Zoe's unique in the so, in Zoe's the fact that hybrid. he's like a he's a hybrid yeah. He's a hybrid, right? <laughs> right. He does clubs and shows but he also does like music with rappers you know
0: i mean like we will have like per, we'll have performances at the club and we'll yeah. have to dj for yeah. like i've oh, had right. to dj for like push t oh yeah okay. so you're like yeah. nelly or somebody or ghost, like that. Face? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, ghost yeah. face yeah yeah so we we do that like jamie mm-hmm. when jamie fox would come into vegas we'd yeah. have to dj for him all yeah. the time mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah
3: kirk, so had, kirk had like an old school uh party at Lavo and so yeah, like older acts and stuff like I that. I mean, number. we
0: had like DOS Effects, we had KRS One. Did you have
2: like a the, the, whole 31st. different like instrumental set for them? The or? funny
0: thing is, the old school dudes—they're so prepared. Yeah. They have like if they have to perform for ten minutes, yeah, they have that ten-minute.
2: So you just plug it in.
0: I just play it, and yeah. they, they even have like
6: like sometimes they bring a jump drive with all their music mm-hmm. and be like, "Yo, just just play the play the jump drive, play this yeah the jump drive, and mm-hmm. just let it go." And we got everything, but 100%. it's
0: so it's so meticulous that they even have like if there's no music and they're just talking shit, that's already timed in yeah. into oh, wow. the ten minute set yeah, or the MP3, yeah. and then they just know exactly when the song's about but to start.
1: Is. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll go on, they'll go to the fucking fader, just put yeah. that shit out <laughs> and a part you know yeah. they'll take that. That's action. what you gotta do, yeah, yeah. yeah. But
0: uh, yeah, I mean we, we do we do all that. But it's yeah. different with Zoe when he's working with an artist and they're putting together a routine or a show. Like yes. we've never done that. No. Yeah, that's
2: yeah, a whole like, different he'll, set of different skill set. Yeah, yeah. yeah he'll that's,
0: go to that's, that's completely different. Mm-hmm. That that takes a lot of work. Yeah, because he does together. a lot of
3: shows with Dumb and he's always texting me. Oh, I'm I'm so and so I'm so and so here and he hit me up like you have this song, I might need this song, whatever.
1: I can't do nothing without so. Honestly, I'll tell you that. Like any performance shit, like I don't I, I don't even have anything. He just has all my files. So like if I if I do a show like he needs Acapella. to be there. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> that fool needs to be there like I'm just cuz it's been so many years, all files are getting sent all around. Like he I just have him just have it, you know.
4: Yeah, yeah. Mhm. Oh,
0: man. All it's right. such an honor to have you guys. Thank man, you guys for coming guys, through. Man. Thank you, you guys, it. man. No Much left
1: to the Road Pod. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Dumb founder Roy Choi. There Thank we go. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into the Road Podcast. Don't forget, every Wednesday, we have new episodes on all major streaming platforms. And every Thursday, the video versions go up on our YouTube page. Please subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash roadpodcast. And to find exclusive clips of the pod, please visit youtube.com slash DJ City. And we'll see you next Wednesday.